You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the LA International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in LA since 1989. All right. You guys hear me? Hear me all right? You got me? All right. It's great to be here with everybody this morning. Um, got a box of hope right here. Today we're starting a new series. It's called Unleashed. And um, each week we're going to have a leading up to Easter, a plan, um, and talk a little about some aspects from the uh, resurrection accounts or the uh, passion accounts of the cross and the gospels. And today the title is Hope, Unleashed Hope. So I'm really excited about it. Uh, the staff has been really encouraged to uh, make preparation and get us inspired about Easter. And we have some great plans for our Easter service we'll be sharing more about. So uh, it's great to be together with you guys. And uh, it's been awesome to have the uh, the whole campus ministry here. Love having Pepperdine visiting us. And it was awesome that Kira at UCLA got baptized yesterday. Kira, stand up. Stand up, Kira. Kira got baptized this week. And is, is John Santini here? Where's John? He hasn't been here since he's been baptized, but John got baptized at Pepperdine, and so I'm really grateful for that. Um, so God's been working in a great way. Um, really fired up for how God has been just working. And I'm grateful to be here on the West Side. I hope you are. Today, the idea of hope, it's a deep concept, and we have talked a lot as a church about the idea of bringing out of the storeroom our storm of knowledge of God, old treasures as well as new treasures. So, you know, when you're serving God, you, you learn old things, but you also have, you have, or you have old things you want to bring out, but you also learn new things. And I believe that as a fellowship, God has been showing us to hold on to the old things, but also he's given us some insights into some new things. And today I'm going to present something new. I've been mentioning it a little bit in some of my lessons and sermons. It's something I've been learning in my my current program I'm in uh, on missional leadership. I'm learning some really interesting stuff. And today I'm going to lay it before you as a congregation. And I hope that it will inspire you to live a life of hope. That's the idea. Now, many of us, we, uh, we need hope. In fact, all of us need hope. Uh, sadly, our world is as lost today as it ever has been. It's confused. Relationships get damaged. We've seen that even in our own fellowship. Relationships get damaged. Dreams get smashed. Um, things get tiresome and difficult. And sadly, we can so easily lose hope. The question I have for all of us today, understanding that, that life um, brings a lot of victories, but it ling- brings a lot of hard times. And I have a question for you today. Have you given up hope? In your little world of what, what it means to have hope, have you given up? In your idea of the future God has in store for you, or the, the idea of what you, what you dreamed God would do in our fellowship or in your personal life, have you given up hope? And I'll confess to you guys, not in every way, but in one small way, I I had given up hope. When I was a young man and I began to study the Bible, I was 23 years old, when I finally 
decided to study the Bible, you know, deeply, personally, allowing men to come in and train me and figure out what does it really mean to follow Jesus. And as I began to study, I saw the power of God's word. I saw the real uh, influence that we could have if we followed Jesus. I, I accepted Jesus is Lord. I remember getting baptized October 15th of 1990 at 10 p.m. at night down in Manhattan Beach and just feeling so much hope and vision and dream. And I realized, I remember so clearly understanding that the answer to all the world's problems were found in following Jesus. That he was the cure to the cancer. And the cancer was the sin that we all live in. And you can't just solve it uh, without getting into the root cause. And I saw the answers. And as I went on living my life and I ended up becoming a minister, I never, never thought, I didn't grow up thinking I would be a minister of the gospel. I didn't know that. But as I saw the power, I realized I want to make a difference in the world. And early on, I remember thinking that we really could change the world that we lived in. I believe that powerfully. But over the years, and as I began to think about my faith, and as I began to look at how messed up the world is, and if you ever read the news, it's just as an onslaught of negative information hitting you. Constant sadness. So many new things. Things you thought were good, you find out were bad. I mean, it's crazy the stuff that's out there, right? Reading the news is bad for your health. And what I ended up resigning myself to is something probably most of you have resigned yourself to. And that is this idea that, yes, Jesus is the answer. And yes, we should follow Jesus. But, you know, what's going to happen is God will just wipe out the earth someday. The Bible talks about, you know, he's going he's to wipe it out. And we're just going to be spirits that float up into a heavenly dimension. And so we can't really change the reality of life on earth. I mean, it's just too messed up, but we can save some souls and help people follow Jesus and they'll get to be with us in heaven and that'll be cool. That was my thinking. Isn't that kind of what a lot of us teach and believe? It's like, yeah, let's save some souls. Uh, someday, you know, whenever the world ends, we're certainly going to die. Uh, I know today's the funeral for Jack, uh, who was a member of this church for a long time. And, um, you know, people pass on. Uh, we do pass on. And we, we in our minds, we think, okay, well, you, you die... And then you, your physical body's left, and then you enter into the spiritual state with God. Uh, and we're a little hazy on exactly what that all looks like, but we, we see it as sort of like this disembodied time in the future or in eternity with God. And what we do, if you haven't thought about this, is you give up, and I have given up, on thinking the world that we live in right now can really truly be changed. We doubt it. And I'm here today to share with you that we, as a, in general, not everyone, but a large portion of our congregation, it was certainly for me, we've had a, a false teaching in, implanted in our mind about what happens when you die, and it directly affects the hope that we live with, and it directly affects the way we're going to live our life. And I want to bring that to you today, and, and it might shock some of you a little bit, all right? Uh, this is a shocking concept if you haven't heard of it before, but here I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay it out, and then, and then I'm going to prove it to you through some scriptures. And then I'm going to talk about what's in the box of hope at the end, all right? The implications of this, all right? So here we go. Here's a guy named N.T. Wright. Uh, he's a foremost a theologian, an Anglican bishop, one of the top teachers on the New Testament. And he basically says, he says, resurrection, when we're all going to resurrect, means bodily life, physical bodily life, after life, after death. 
Or, if you prefer, bodily life after the state of death. Okay, so I'm going to lay out what the truth is, all right? And then I'm going to prove it to you. You might doubt me. But here's here's what the New Testament actually teaches. And many, many writers, histories, uh, many historians, many theologians. This is something we've kind of just skipped over. Not everybody. It's in most of our commentaries. You see it there, but I think we skip over it. When we die, we definitely go, Jesus on the thief on the cross, he said, today you'll be with me in paradise to the thief on the cross. If you know that passage, paradise is the place of resting after you die. When you die, you get to be in Jesus's presence and you are in a spiritual state. Physically, your body's gone. It's, it's in the ground and you're in a spiritual state. But we're all waiting for the return of Jesus when we will resurrect. And that resurrection will have with it a bodily component. It's not the same body because this body decays, but it is a body. And the proof of this is primarily Jesus's body who resurrected and somehow could appear through walls. Uh, His body that could eat, but also uh, float instantly into heaven. The, the, The spiritual body will be a body like this. All right. Michael Keyes will be in probably 30 years old. Right. Looking, looking in his prime. Whatever your prime is, we're not really sure what that is. But let me tell you, that is what the New Testament says. It says that over and over. And I'll be honest, I've skipped over those verses when I read them. Today I put a lot on the screen for you, so you can consider this, all right? And then we're going to talk about the implications. There are powerful implications of this, all right? Let's begin. In Luke chapter 24, verse 33, we'll dig into this. It says, this is the resurrection account in the book of Luke. After the the two disciples had walked with Jesus, now when they had walked with Jesus, they didn't at first recognize him until he broke bread, and and, and then they they saw it was Jesus, and then he disappeared all of a sudden. And then they run to tell the other apostles, and it says, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Now there's multiple accounts of the resurrected Christ. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Jesus physically resurrected, but his body was a glorified body. It could, yes, somehow somehow it could eat, but it also could go between heaven and uh, heaven and earth. All right. Uh, there was a merging. And, and that's that's the amazing concept about this resurrected body is you will have a resurrected body. If you are faithful to Jesus, you live as a disciple of Jesus and you die faithful to God, then you're you will rest initially in this place of paradise. And when he returns, you'll be transformed. Now, if you're already if you're still on earth, say he comes back in the next couple of weeks, then all of us that are disciples of Jesus will be Transformed. There's many verses that say that. Will be transformed. Not into a disembodied spirit that floats around. You will actually have some form of physicality. Now this is blow away. Let's look at some more verses on this. This is a, not a new thing. In the Old Testament, the Jews universally looked forward to the resurrection of mankind. And here's one of the verses that says, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Some to everlasting life. Others to shame and everlasting contempt. But they will awake. They will resurrect. This concept of an actual resurrection, a physical resurrection, was in the Old Testament. We find another verse, a primary verse in the book of Romans, uh, chapter 8 of Romans. Let's read this together. 
It says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. The creation. What's the creation? It's everything you see. It's, yes, your body, but it's also the trees. It's the mountains. It's the ocean. It's the animals. It's all the created order from God. It's the cosmos. And it says the whole creation has been groaning. It's, it's, it knows that it needs something more than what it has because it's been decaying. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we eagerly await or as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. Now notice this, the redemption of our bodies for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? It's right there. That's in there. I'm going to show you a bunch more verses. We are going to resurrect in a body. I was like, what? That's crazy. I never believed that. We have fallen into dualistic thinking in, in most American Christianity. Not everyone. Like I said, many commentaries. I'm reading multiple commentaries in my Bible program. And a lot of theologians know this. We just haven't picked up on it. And maybe we, we have and we didn't care. But I'm, I'm going to share it with you that this, this is actually very powerful. This has implications for how we live our life. This is interesting stuff, all right? The redemption of our bodies. Let's look at another verse. Philippians 3, verse 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven, right? Talking about disciples of Jesus who, who said, man, you are Lord. We know that ultimately our, our, our citizenship resides in heaven, And we eagerly, now notice this, we eagerly await a Savior from there. It doesn't say, and we can't wait, we're going up there to be with Him. He's coming down to be with us. That's what the Scriptures teach. He is going to come and be with us, and in time, heaven and earth will merge in some way we can't quite comprehend. So yes, we're going to be in heaven, but heaven and earth are merged in some Crazy way. There's multiple verses in the Bible that said he will create a new heaven and new earth. And I've always just skipped over those verses because I was like, what does that mean? How's he going to make a new earth? I mean, what? I don't get it. We we all go, you know, there'll just be heaven, no earth. But he's going to somehow recreate it. And and we know this is true because the Bible's clear. His creation is good, he says. When he looked on all he made, he said, it's good. And he says, we await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies. If you're still around when he comes back, he's going to transform you right there. And somehow it's going to be this, you know, incredible transformation. And we will be like his glorious body, which can go instantly between heaven and earth. It's a spiritual physicality. That's what it is. It's a spiritual physicality. It's an eternal, imperishable physicality. Uh, it's a comprehension. We can't quite comprehend it, but it's true. Amazing stuff, right? First John 3, it's not only uh, Paul in his letters that references this. John says, dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall Be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We can't quite fathom. How can you have a physicality that does that? It doesn't apply to the laws of physics that we know. But there's something to it that's very powerful, that there's a physical sense that God is saying the creation that he made is valuable. And the way I've I've heard it said, 
is it's like we, God is going to take uh, our software and he's going to load it onto his hardware when we're in paradise. And then he's going to give us a new body and reload our software onto this perfect, eternal, imperishable body kind of concept. If you like it. So that's a little technical term. Like, and who we are, like, interestingly, let's just think about this for a second. You know, scientists say, biologists say, that your body is completely different than it was seven years ago. In other words, every cell in your body has had to be uh, discarded and recreated based upon your DNA every seven years. So if you think, oh, how could that be? No, no, you're, you're being recreated constantly in the shape and in the form that God allowed you to be made like. I mean, he made you a certain way. And, and, and there's a certain aspect of who you are that will last for eternity when you're faithful to God. This is a big concept. Jesus, after he resurrected, you know, he, he still showed the, the holes in his, his arms and, and they could tell it was Jesus. Uh, God allowed him to still have a, a indicator of who he was. I think we'll all have an indicator of, of who we are in the eyes of God and we'll know each other. We'll see each other. This is a big concept. 1 Corinthians 15, 35 says, But someone will ask, well, how are the dead raised? Like, oh, you, what are you talking about? How can that be? What's that going to be like? doesn't make any sense. And he goes on, he says, When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed. Perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined. And to each kind of seed, he gives its own body. So we... Any of us who have planted anything in a garden, you know, a little apple seed is that big, right? And, you and it, you know, it, it doesn't really look like an apple. It's not like a little mini tiny little apple, right? It's, it's different looking. Seeds don't look exactly like the body that grows, but they are physical. You plant them in the ground, and through God's power and his miraculous creative ability, it becomes a new body, an apple tree, or a variety, or wheat, or whatever it is he decides to create in it. In the same way... We are going to be made into something glorious beyond our mind's comprehension. And, and, I mean, I can't comprehend a body that can do the stuff that Jesus could do. I can't comprehend an eternal existence. It's, it's beyond our brain's comprehension. But the scriptures are talking about this in, in a way that's inspiring. But there's a physicality to it that I think we've all just discarded. And I want to call on us today... To reevaluate our understanding of what happens after we die and what happens uh, with the resurrection. And, and it applies in a powerful way to the hopes that we have in our life. It's very powerful stuff. Paul goes on to teach really clearly in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, the perishable will be made imperishable. The mortal will be clothed with immortality. And death will be defeated. Jesus came to earth to prove God's existence. To say, hey, I'm real. I'm God. I want you to love me. And he lived and taught and did miracles and showed the world. And then died for our sin. And then he resurrected physically. And then he ascended into heaven. His resurrection was something that even historians, Jewish historians had no idea. They all thought... Oh, someday, I mean, all Judaism, which is the origin of Christianity, all thought someday there'll be a general resurrection of all mankind and then a judgment of all of us. There'll be judgment. 
When Jesus resurrected, everybody was like, what's going on? That's not supposed to happen until the end of the world. Jesus' resurrection says to the human race, I'm now in charge. Presently, physically, right now on this earth, this physical earth, I have established my kingdom and I want the world to be in subjection to me. Now, he doesn't force us to do it. He could control, but his interest is in our hearts, our souls, and our love. So you might look around and go, well, why is the world such a mess then? Well, let me tell you something. It is a mess, but it's a lot better than it was without Jesus coming down to earth. Our entire educational uh, institutes around the globe, if you study the history, they started through Christianity. You think about the countless hospitals. You think about the countless deeds of grace and kindness and service on our earth. 2,000 years have gone, and here we are. We talk about Jesus. You know, huge numbers of people around the world uh, come and they worship and they talk about Jesus and they change their life. Politics has changed because of Jesus. And here's what I want to put before all of us. The ultimate hope is that we will join Jesus in this plan to change the world right now. Not only so that we can be eternally in this resurrected body, but so that we can give the world a little taste right now, a taste of what heaven should be like. We are a foretaste. The churches, the transformation of of, of Akira getting baptized and her, her transformation of her soul and her saying, yes, Jesus is Lord, is a foretaste of heaven to the world. Amen. You are a foretaste of heaven to this lost world. What is our hope? Our hope is that we get to joy. It's not, you know, becoming a Christian isn't about Jesus replacing your boyfriend or girlfriend. That's not what it's about. What what Jesus says is, I'm the king and I'm establishing a kingdom and there's going to be forgiveness. There's going to be a hope of you are going to live eternally. You don't have to fear death. And I have a plan and a mission and a vocation for your talent on earth right now to do something impacting that will last into eternity. And Paul closes out 1 Corinthians 15. He says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Why is it not in vain? Because He's going to recreate. He's going to take what's here. He's not going to discard it and say it's worthless and wipe it out and say it's no good. He's going to use it as the framework of what is in heaven. This is blow away. This means what we do now matters. This says that we can and ought to believe that we can change. Are we going to ultimately change the physical earth so that it totally is in subjection to Jesus? No, not completely. But we can do a lot. We can, we can make the, the taste of what heaven's like a lot bigger than maybe it's been. We can show, you know, as many as possible. We can, we can speed the coming of the Lord through, through really showing the world really God's intention. It, it does happen all over the world. It's already happening. But let's not give up and think we can't be a part of it. We can and should fight for it. I have three areas I want to bring up with you guys regarding the hope. And we'll close out with this. All right. Three concepts for my box of hope. What are the implications? 
What are the implications of this concept of this physical resurrection that you get to participate in if you're faithful to Jesus? Number one, justice. Justice. We and the kingdom of God should care about justice in our world. And I want to bring up a little idea from my box, my box here of justice. And here's the scale to weigh right from wrong. Right? This is, this is a scale that we, we need to determine are the choices we're making, is the world we live in, are the way that society, society exists. Do we just stand by and say, well, the world's messed up. I don't care. Or do we care and say, I want to make a difference. God calls us to be devoted to justice. Yes, to feeding the homeless on Saturdays and Sundays. Yes, to projects through Hope Worldwide that can truly change the world. Let us not forget that the immunization issues in L.A. were eradicated by our church like back in the early 90s by going door to door with like 7,000 of us going door to door. Can we not open up homeless shelters? Can we not get partner with a a community group to donate? Can we not get Apple or Amazon or somebody to donate $10 million so we can build a home and and, and bring people that even come to our service and say, hey, we have a place for you to have food. We have counseling for you. Can we not do that? Yes, we can. Many organizations want to do it, but we can't give up and say, oh, not us. We can't do it. We can. And I call on you guys. I call on you to say, let's make a real difference right here on the west side. We're doing it. I know Billy's out there serving and, and, and Patricia's out there serving. I know numbers of you are out there serving and we got to keep doing it. But I, I want to call on us to take it higher. Can we partner with a, 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 somebody with more money than us? Yes. We have the volunteer power. They might have the money. Let, let's, let's think outside of the box to the hope of establishing justice because God's kingdom does reign. Let's show the world that's true. Number two. Beauty. Beauty. If we're going to resurrect physically, that means that our physical health does matter. Caring for the physical world that we're in does matter. Because God's not just going to discard it. He says, I looked at all I made and it was good. He does care. I've never been an environmentalist, I confess. But we should care. We should care about the creation. We should care about it because God's not going to discard it. He's going to use it as the framework of what eternity will look like. Beauty. You have gifts and talents. God made you. Some of you are amazing artists. You're singers. You're production experts. You are writers. You are actors. You're creative. I have a picture here. This is a picture of my beautiful wife and I. I don't know if you can tell. But it's made up of the faces of all the people of our old ministry. Right? Little digital images of the people of our old ministry printed up a little picture of my wife and I, and they created this computer program so they would do that. And you look in there and go, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's people you know are making up your nose, right? (laughs) Art can point to God. And art that points to God and honors God, why wouldn't God want that to last? Why wouldn't he bring that into heaven and earth as it's merged together? Why wouldn't your creations right now that honor God be kept for eternity? I believe they will be. 
The implication is if you're an artist, I want to call on you if you're an artist to use your gifts to point to God in a powerful way, knowing that it can be brought forward into this eternal place. Can you write? Can you sing? Can you produce? I'm really excited. We are going to start a ministry here, and uh, it's going to be called the Screenland Ministry. Because Culver City was known as the heart of Screenland, and still is. And nowadays, all art is found on our screens. So here's really Screenland. And West Side LA, we are a Screenland area. I mean, this people are in the... Raise your hand if you, in any fashion, work in the entertainment industry. Okay, wow. It's like 20% of us already work in the entertainment industry right here on the West Side. Where artistic gifts are used to produce an industry and make money. And I want to challenge us to use our gifts to honor God, point people to God, and inspire people that their gifts can be used for His glory. I want us to take it up a notch in every area of what we do as a church. I want to call on you to pour your life out and your talent and to dream. We are going to have an Easter Sunday service. I'm really excited about it. Dink has volunteered. Dink Toller has volunteered to help coordinate an actual theatrical production for our Easter Sunday coming up in five weeks. And we're going to push this stage back or move it aside. And we're going to meet on the main stage. And we're going to have a little theatrical show uh, to let some of the talent here honor God with acting and with singing and production. And this is just the first. This is just a glimpse. This is what we want to do. We want to create an environment and a whole ministry that points people to God using their gifts and talents. Amen. Thank you, Dink. I really appreciate him doing that. And let's be dreaming. The last thing I want to say, certainly this, the message of this resurrected life and the physical resurrection leads us to believe that, you know, there's an eternity in store for us and we absolutely need to be about evangelism. Because as we've gone through all the groups, almost all the groups in this church, and we've been talking to you guys, and we've been saying, what's been the most life-giving thing? What is it that really inspired you? What brought you faith? The largest answer has been when I've studied the Bible with a friend. When I met so-and-so, and and they were open, and I hadn't been in one in a while, and I started teaching them the Bible. Oh, it was so inspiring. You know, Kara's conversion was a source of joy to like 10 different people in the church. They're like, oh, when Kara got baptized, that was incredible. Studying with her, helping her, being there with her, helping her family. And all of your conversions are some of the most life-giving experiences for the people involved with you. We have something to give this lost world. A message that death will not have the final say in life. A message that a king reigns. A perfect, gracious, kind, awesome king. He could appear instantly. I mean, you ever wonder if Jesus just appear in your quiet time like on a seat sitting next to you? I kind of want, it's like, Lord, are you going to show up? He never has. I guess he's waiting until the one time, right? And when he's going to come for all of us. But we have some good news to give people. And you know, this Easter service, I want to close out with this concept. Uh, I got, I got Easter invites right here. All right, hold on. We're going to hand those out. But before I do that, I want to close out one other last thing that is important. Right here, I have the Great Pyramid of Giza, although it's only two inches tall. But you know that our church supports the work in Egypt and Beirut and Amman, Jordan and the Gulf states in the Middle East. Our church supports an incredible mission of evangelism in the Middle East, a Muslim part of the world. We get to give the life-giving message of Jesus 
This summer, you are invited, singles campus, anyone that wants to, to go to a conference with our church in Beirut in middle of July. If you're interested, please talk to me about how to, how to pay for that. It's going to probably be about a $1,500 cost for that event. But we want as many as that can figure out how to pay for that. If you want to fundraise, ask for sponsors, we want you to go to see our brothers and sisters and partner with them, inspire them, and allow your heart to lock with their heart, heart and their great mission of evangelism. We get to be a part of something so awesome. We're given our world missions uh, June 2nd. Uh, we need to be prepared for that. We're going to give an offering to support that work. Be preparing, be fundraising, be thinking about it. We want to give and we want to evangelize this world. Hope. Don't give up hope. But let it inspire you to justice, to beauty, and to evangelism. Amen. Love you guys. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.